Hey friends, welcome to the Thrive Like a Parent podcast. You know those parents who look like they've got it all together? Yep, that's not me. I'm Dr. Brooke Weinstein, mom, widow, and neuroscience expert on all things sensory and emotional regulation. Yep, that's right. I'm here to get down and dirty on the truth behind parenting, education, burnout, neuroscience, widowhood, and the shit show we call life. So come join me for conversations with thought leaders, doctors, and women just like you who aren't afraid to speak the truth and help you find that silver lining between the to-do lists, shit shows, and chaos of parenthood. If you are craving the answers to finally find that sweet spot between chaos and calm, pull up a seat and listen in as I take you from burnt out and surviving to finally thriving. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Thrive Like a Parent podcast. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to be sensory sensitive. I talk a lot about either avoiding or seeking, and we've also discussed low registration, but another tier of this is sensory sensitivity. And I want to discuss with you what that means, what that looks like, give you some strategies. If you have a sensory sensitive little kiddo in the house, maybe you are sensory sensitive. And I got to tell you, if this is you, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're broken. So many people come to me and when we start working together, they say over and over like, oh my gosh, like, I literally thought I was crazy. Like, I thought I was the broken one. Like, how did I not understand this? And it's shocking and mind-blowing to me that 95% of the world does not understand this information, has never even been introduced to this information, doesn't get it, or has never really been taught, honestly, what it is to function, like what it means to function and how to function as a human with different brains. Now, we all have different brain makeup. Your brain is going to be different from my brain. It's going to be different from my child. It's going to be different from your partner, your parents. We are all different. And the way in which to think about this is, and I've explained it before, but it's always healthy to go through it again, is is every single muscle in your body strong, right? Or do you have some muscles that are like your calves are really, really muscular and maybe your triceps are a little, I was going to say flabby, but that sounds gross. But you know what I mean? Your body showing strength in different areas, triceps, biceps, all the different things. Yeah. It's the same thing for your brain. Some portions of your brain are stronger and we call it more fluid than the other, meaning you're just well-versed in that. Now, a lot of times they go, they meaning the world and helping you understand this data and this, this knowledge is they'll go to male versus female. Well, the male brain has more of the logic brain, right? The portion of their brain that's a little bit larger is logic. Ding, ding, ding. That's why males, you don't love talking about emotions because the portion of your brain is more black and white. It's stronger in that area. Women, we have a little bit stronger of an emotional brain. That's why we're totally emotional and have all the feelings and cry. Like that's why we're even open to all of this knowledge and understanding is because that's the portion of our brain that is a little bit larger. 
Now, for particulars today, I want to go into what it means to be sensitive, like sensory sensitive, okay? A lot of times, these are the individuals who are imaginative, highly creative, intuitive, great listeners, sometimes not if they're trying to avoid and they are younger and they don't have the ability to sit and stay, right? They get hurt easily, right? Because a lot of times I find that sensory sensitivity also goes hand in hand with emotionally sensitive humans. And so you could honestly lump them together and say they're highly sensitive humans. But again, we're all different. A lot of times we love arts and we're really soulful and um, has a huge heart, can be taken advantage of easily. Now that's more the emotional side, but the neurological side of things for sensory sensitivity is you have a low threshold for the amount of stimuli that you feel comfortable with moving through your body, which means you may get irritated more often or you may avoid more often. You may hear things others don't hear. And this can honestly be a good or bad thing, okay? I'll give you an example. My dad, and I'm not like diving down the hole of saying like, yes, my dad was sensory sensitive and all the things, positive trait. I will never forget it, when we were looking for houses for my sister, my dad walked through a few houses and they were beautiful older houses in St. Louis. And he was like, this floor is, is on a slant. And we're like, you're crazy. What are you talking about? He's like, I'm telling you, this floor is on a slant. And I was like, what are you talking about? He'll take like a penny out and whoop, it would roll down the room. If you, again, with oral, yeah, if you really feel it when you're eating very, very strong flavors, if sounds are really, if you're very sensitive to sounds or threshold, meaning you don't need as much stimuli. And that is the thing that I feel that most don't realize in terms of this is neurological, this is not personality in terms of you just don't function in a way that you quote should or society tells us to or wants us to, right? For the majority of my life, I totally thought I was an extrovert. Like I, I like I can't even tell you how much I thought I was an extrovert. And I've had this conversation with my mom. She was, I was like, I'm not an extrovert. I'm totally an introvert. She's like, what? No, you're not. I was like, I am. Like I totally am. Once I learned how my nervous system functioned for me, and I really started doing a ton of awareness and the work on myself many, many years ago, I was, I'm doing these things, I'm being an extrovert or I'm going to the party or I'm showing up as XYZ at the party. Like, hi, how are you? I'm doing all this stuff because I had a beautiful model of that. My mom is always smiling and chipper and not knocking my mom, but that's what I thought my life should look like. That's what I thought. My mom had, I mean, our house was, always immaculate. She was constantly hosting all the time. She always had all the different plates and platters and this and that. Like 
And I just did the same thing. Like, I can't tell you how many platters I have from when Jonathan and I got married that I haven't used in probably almost a decade. And my mom's like, don't get rid of those. Maybe one day you'll want to do it. But I recognize that that is not for me. Having all of that stimuli and hosting and doing all the things, like there's certain things in my life that I've recognized, got it, that's just not my forte. Yeah, so like another example is, I took the kids to Altitude, which is a trampoline park for a birthday party yesterday. Talk about sensory overload. Like, oh my, Rick, I recognized what I needed for myself. I went and sat on a bench, put my little earbuds in and I listened to a book and did what I needed to do for me. And then when it was cake time and all the different things, I socialized with the parents, got to catch up with some of them that I love and know really well. And I did what felt best and right for me. I didn't force conversation. I didn't force anything until my body had time to kind of sit there, soak it in and kind of get regulated, if you will, from a transition of the quiet calm of my house to a crazy experience birthday party, right? That doesn't mean that I'm A, a bitch, antisocial, or don't want to be there. It just simply means as soon as I got to to the party, I said, what would feel good for me right now? Like, what do I need? And what I needed was to sit somewhere comfortable and just watch my kids have fun, smile, talk to them. They came and sat with me when they needed breaks. Like, I just did my thing. And then when I was ready and my body and brain was like, okay, like, I've been here for a while. Like, I'm good. Then I went and talked to all the parents and there weren't that many parents there, but like, you know, then I engaged and did what I wanted to do for me. And again, that doesn't make me anything other than Brooke. That's simply it. And so if you are finding that you are functioning outside of your, the best way to explain this is your inherent inner compass. Like if you were doing things and you're like, oh, I have to go to this thing. I'm like, oh, Okay. Hi. How are you? Oh God, that was exhausting. Like, listen to that. Listen to that. Right. If you are sensory sensitive, your brain may not want all of that stimuli. Yeah. It, it may not need all of that stimuli. If you are sensory sensitive, you may not like strong smells. You may not like being tickled. You may not like having your hair brushed. You are very cautious with every step you take into new environments. Maybe you even hate being barefoot, right? There's like so many different things that it, it can be for you. And the most important piece of this is awareness, right? Like I, I do all these reels of like, you don't like the tags, they're itchy or the neckline. Like I bought that sweatshirt, FYI, if you go back to that reel where I'm literally cutting my sweatshirt, I bought that sweatshirt. It was a secondhand sweatshirt just to make that reel. Because that is how some people feel. It's like, get this off of my neck. If some don't like their hair touching the base of their neck, like all these things aren't just odd little quirks that are abnormal. They're, they're not abnormal. They're particular to you and they matter. So don't ignore them. Please don't ignore them because if you ignore them, which you probably have been doing your entire life, but if you ignore them, that's where you get into a dysregulated state because you're completely ignoring your mental health, completely. So the way in which I 
finally got to the point that I was like, I've got to do something and start supporting myself and figure this out is twofold. Number one is I was so burnt out and exhausted from doing all the things that I was told I should be doing that I I can't even describe the level of, it almost felt like it was getting to the point of a possible, I don't ever think I was depressed, depressed, but like, like it felt like heavy bricks on my back. Do I have days like that? You bet. Especially with all the things that have been going on with me with the Hashimoto's like, heck yeah, I have heavy days with all of my grief with Jonathan. Heck yeah, you better believe I have heavy days. But it's a different type of exhaustion and burnout when you're doing things and running on empty for years because you're doing what society has told you to do. Get your kids in all the sports and all the extracurriculars and all the birthday parties and all the holiday parties. And we want to build a community so we can't say no. Like, You've got to find what feels best and right for you and do it at the pace that feels best and right for you. So that's when I really started recognizing, wow, like this isn't, this is not going very well. And what added to that also was me taking care and and taking on all of Jonathan's depression, if you will, in terms of I was still in the fix it mode of like, if we do this, then it'll get better. If we try this, then it'll get better. If I do more of this, then he'll feel better. If I do this, then that, right? So like I was placing the outcome on myself and the two things combined doing so much externally outside of my home and doing so much internally inside my home and never giving to myself and not listening to my nervous system got me in a whole heap of trouble. Like, whew, I was, it was not good. And I finally started taking steps to listen into my own compass. And that's what you can start doing is really listening into, I cannot tell you how many times throughout the day I check in because if you think about it, your brain has been patterned for decades in other ways. Like if you're listening to this and you're old enough to listen to this and have an iPhone or or where however you're listening to this, you're probably 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, like you're probably, right, you're decades old. And so your brain has been patterned certain ways from whether it's living in a community or the surroundings of your own parenthood and how your parents raised you or the social norms within your community or the social pressures you placed on yourself or just the identity that you felt you wanted for yourself. Now, yes, I'm sensory sensitive, but I'm also a seeker. So when I am a, right, I'm a gas pedal. So I always want to step on the gas and recognize when to step on the brake, like when it didn't feel good within my body. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a list, simple list of things if you're sensitive. Um, Most of these are for kids, but also for adults. And the list can go on and on and on, but it depends on if you are recognizing what you are sensitive to. And like I said, before I go into this list, being sensitive is not necessarily a bad thing. I just gave you examples of my dad. Those were awesome traits to have. And there were certain things even within my dad's business that he ran that my dad could see certain things that others just didn't see. 
And I would say that I have that similar brain of like, somehow I pull all the puzzle pieces together. And because of my sensory sensitivity, I'm able to see all those things. I also have another client and she is baller. She's incredible. And she is in the furniture lighting industry, if you will. And her gifts and talents and the way in which she has described to me is always feeling different or always feeling, it comes with like a a feeling of isolation, if you will, or always feeling even judged because you feel different. The things that she has internalized within herself have also been such a huge benefit to her without her even recognizing that that's a gift. She's looked at it as a negative rather than owning her worth of like, damn right. I did that. Like, damn right. I helped this business go X, Y, Z. Like, damn right. I've, I, I, I could see this and visualize this when no one else could. And that's a lot of the work we do too, is owning our differences, owning our strengths and, and not ripping them apart. Right. And so being sensory sensitive can be hard because you can be wildly sensitive to stimuli, but it's also a beautiful trait to have as well, because that means you are recognizing things that others aren't. And that I got to tell you is beautiful, beautiful gifts. So look for those as well and be proud of those gifts. Don't rip yourself to shreds and think, I'm just so different and no one understands me. And like, those are your superpowers. Those are fantastic. So be proud of them. Now we'll go into a little bit of a list. And again, this is somewhat for kids, but hands down, like hands down, this will go for adults too. So especially for kids, if they're highly sensitive, a lot of times transitions will be hard. And I've talked about transitions. I have a podcast on transitions. Using a visual schedule, especially when they're young, is like so great for them because they know what to expect and then they can feel more in control of the environment and situation and therefore not as dysregulated. If you could give any type of warning before transitions are about to happen, for example, I used to, if we were going to a birthday party at a new spot, I used to pull up pictures to be like, hey guys, look, this is where we're going so that they had the awareness and were able to feel a little bit more comfortable when introducing them to new environments. Another one for my kiddos in particular is travel. Travel is probably one of the hardest ones to integrate into. And it's just because it's a new environment. It's all the things. It's, it's the new restaurants and food. It's the lights. It's the people. It's the adventures. It's all the different things that aren't comforting to the nervous system. And Again, when it's a highly nervous, highly sensitive nervous system, you may feel this or see this more with yourself or with your children. So another one that's huge is offering sensory breaks throughout the day. You can do this at home. You can have a sensory bin. You can have a sensory room. I talk so much about sensory stuff and, you know, weighted blanket or Lycra sheets or a dark room with like twinkle stars or deep pressure into the joints. This is crucial to also do and offer at school. If your child is in a school setting, a traditional, I should say, school setting, 
offering these sensory breaks, teachers, if you're listening, is like crucial. What we've done in the past is give them tools like bouncing on a ball or sitting on a ball to bounce, right? Or standing on a balance board or getting a fidget toy or putting a rubber band around their wrist or a rubber band on their, on the legs of their chair. All those things help. But what their brain and body is really needing is a full-blown break, full-blown break. And so I'm very grateful for the school that my children go to. It's a rather new build of a school. And so there are sensory rooms right outside the classrooms. I think three or four classrooms share a little sensory room. And if any child needs a sensory break, they allow it. And there's tons of sensory stuff within that room and really gives the child what they need. Just because that's the child version of giving them sensory breaks doesn't mean that you don't necessarily need sensory breaks. Go outside, put your feet, get grounded 30 minutes a day, barefoot outside, right? Use a weighted blanket, lay down in between meetings or clients, lay down on the floor, stretch your body, like turn out all the lights, do even an eye mask and do some sensory deprivation to counteract all the sensory stimuli. There are so many different things you can do to give yourself that sensory break. Now, make sure you're checking in with giving yourself vocabulary for feelings and emotions, right? How do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? I talk about that all the time. Breathing techniques are fantastic. Yes, we don't always have time for those, but they are fantastic. Another one is meeting sensory needs through heavy, heavy work. I've talked about this a lot. If you're a seeker, that's another one to slow them down is heavy, heavy load. That's probably why I work out so much and I do heavy, heavy workouts. Make sure you have comfortable clothing. Eat the things that feel good and right for you. Maybe use a vibrating toothbrush. Sometimes that tickles and makes it worse, but try these things on, right? And then most importantly, like I said, gather data from all the different stimuli, sound, touch, light, taste, feel, like proprioception, like start leaning into all of this and feeling how did that feel and ask yourself if you want more of that or if you want less of that. Not self-neglecting your individual nervous system and giving yourself what you need. I shit you not, if every single human understood their individual nervous system, their individual nervous system, I believe that they would date differently. I believe that they would find a career differently. And I believe that it would structure your ability to build your life in the way that sees fit for you. And if we all had this understanding, what would end up happening is because your understanding of your own individual nervous system, you would then be very understanding of the next person's individual nervous system, your friends, your family, your neighbors, your children, because we would understand how important this is to be able to identify and learn exactly who we are as an individual and therefore build and structure your life, like your life's journey around this knowledge of what feels best and right for you on a mental health level, like literally on a mental health level. Because let's say you are sensory sensitive, I'm speaking about someone, my neighbor, who I want to have him on my podcast. And if you're listening to this, <laughs> you're going to be laughing, but he is for sure sensory sensitive. He is sensory avoidant, but 
He also is in a very high stress job. He is a lawyer and a partner at the law firm, and he is brilliant and phenomenal at what he does, but he is over-functioning so much. He's seeking, like he's, he's having to push himself and seek to rise to the occasion because what his body really wants is more of an avoidant tendency. So let's say we taught children this as, as kids, okay? Well, I'm more avoidant. I don't know if I particularly love being in a high stress environment where I'm presenting to people in a courtroom. I'm not saying my neighbor and close friend does not enjoy being a lawyer and all the different things. It's just, if you understood your nervous system and let's say you're an avoidant and sensory sensitive, maybe you end up being a yoga teacher because it just feels so spiritually aligned for you and it's calming and it's peaceful. And like, I'm not kidding you. I really do believe that understanding your nervous system could gift you so many things within your life to be able to learn what best suits the type of lifestyle you want, as well as it could impact dating. Let's say you're a seeker or let's say you're an avoider and you're dating someone who's a seeker and it's driving you up the wall because they constantly have to go, 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 go. Or maybe you like that because it helps you get you out of your box and it pushes you to go more and you want that, you crave that, you need that, but you need a little oomph. So really understanding your neurological system, as well as not just dating, but then being in a partnership could help you truly understand why your partner is functioning the way that they're functioning and how to support that, that partner simply because of who they are, like simply because of just, it's okay for them to simply be who they are. It it is okay. But if we get frustrated at the way that they are, who they are, we're getting frustrated at their personality. But if we understand that that's their neurological makeup, it's like, oh, okay, I know why they're getting snappy or, oh, okay, I know why they're getting, oh, okay, okay, that's just who they are. Having the awareness of that will lead to a lot less fights, a lot less bickering, a lot less tit for tatting, a lot less snapping, and hopefully more supporting. I had a client a really long time ago And she did a phenomenal job. I would say that she did thrive many, many years ago. And one of the probably biggest things she got out of thrive was the strength that it built within her partnership. And one example I will take away forever from her is that she and her partner did such a beautiful job of being able to support one another when they were getting heightened and they decided that they would just put a hand on their shoulder and be like, Hey, how are you feeling? You need a moment, like support them and give them a sensory break. If you will, like give them a moment, a moment, excuse me, did them wonders. And I will never forget. She was going to Disney and I was like, Oh boy, best of luck. I mean, you guys know at this point, my opinion of Disney, it's not the happiest place on earth. It is the most dysregulating place on earth. My sister went I don't know, in the past year. And as soon as she came back, she was like, that's going to be a hell no for you. And I was like, I know. That's why I told you no. Because she wanted me to go with her. And I was like, nope, mm -mm, like, mm -mm, no, I know myself. That won't be good for me. And she was like, come on, like, it'll be fine. I'm like, no, 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 no. That, that's just not going to be for me. And the way that this client and her husband got through it 
with three kiddos is they tagged in and tagged out and, and really was observant of the other one to be able to support them. So understanding this knowledge can be so beneficial to your partnership. I've heard this over and over and over and over from so many of my clients. Another client of ours just recently said that that was her number one thing that she felt she has found a love and a comfort and a security and a safety and a connection within her partnership that she never thought was possible and she never knew existed. And to be honest, when she first came to us, she was questioning the partnership at, at different times of like, I don't know, like, I think I can do this on my own. I don't know if I want to do this on my own, but this feels like it's not functioning well. And we support all through that of just like, trust the process, trust the process. Before you ever make a large decision like that, you need to see how this, this work affects and supports your nervous system and your partnership prior to ever considering anything like that. And she trusted the process and they are doing phenomenally well. And so I truly, truly believe understanding this information can help you and your partnership rise on such an incredible level that you've never experienced before. So in conclusion, being sensory sensitive can be difficult at times if you're feeling and hearing and seeing and tasting and all the things, right? Sensitive, but it can also be a beautiful, beautiful benefit and personality trait and neurological trait, if you will, that can support you and your life and help you find your magic help you find what you're best at and your strengths, right? Rather than seeing them as weaknesses. And if you have any more questions on this or are interested in working with myself or my team, or we do couples all the time, we every now and then would do a parenting series. And with the shift from Thrive Like a Mother to Thrive Like a Parent, we may call it Thrive Like a Human, you guys will both be able to do it. We're not doing that series anymore. but it is fantastic to be able to do some form of this, even my battling burnout course, because you and your partnership can watch it. Um, so there's so many different ways that you can gain the knowledge for you and your partnership. Then, yes, I know you're listening to this and you're like, well, how do I get my partner on board? That's a whole nother topic that we'll save for another day. But until next time, take care of yourself. XOXO, Dr. B.